My name is Andranik Eskandarian, and you are listening to Tim Melly Talk. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Team MLE Talk. I'm your host, Artis Tehari. Really glad that you can join us. And for this edition, I am joined by a good friend of mine, back for a, bit, for a second time on Team MLE Talk, Sahand Salari. Sahand, welcome back to Team MLE Talk. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, Art. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get right to this. For this edition of Team MLE Talk, we'll be talking more so pretty much about Team Omid. And of course, by that, I mean Iran's under-23 national team. Now, Sahand, you know, looking back to a couple months ago, the qualifying tournament took place for the 2020 Asian U23 Championship that will be held in Thailand. And Iran was grouped with Iraq, Turkmenistan, and Kyrgyzstan. And fortunately for Iran, I mean, after victories over Kyrgyzstan and Turkmenistan, there was that dull... 0-0 draw with Iraq, and Iraq won the group, but fortunately, Iran did qualify as one of the best runners-up. But when looking back at that qualifying group, it really you really feel that, you know, there's many Iranian football fans that were not very thrilled with the results. I mean, what was your take on it? Yeah, well, uh, it definitely uh, wasn't one of our best qualification phases, but I don't think that... Uh, Iranian youth teams in general usually have strong, uh, you know, qualification phases for these tournaments because mm-hmm. of the uh, lack of youth infrastructure and the lack of training camps, and often the initial steps of qualifying for a major youth tournament, uh, the team uh, doesn't have all of its players. Some clubs don't release the players, so there's usually a lot of problems, and. Um, you know, I think the important thing was they got through that round and they didn't get knocked out. And hopefully, uh, you know, there can be some more care given to the team, some more preparation, because, you know, there's definitely a lot of talented players in this age group and uh, that have experience also in multiple uh, youth World Cups. You have players who participated at the previous U20 World Cup and you have players that participated in the U17 World Cup, so there's definitely talent there. But in terms of the initial qualification phase with the uh, teams you mentioned, yeah, it definitely wasn't that strong. And um, in some of the games, it was kind of a struggle, but they they got there in the end. So yeah. You know, your explanation makes a lot of sense. And the funny thing here is, you know, I was getting to my next question, but you beat me to it. You know, my question was going to be. You know, why has it been so difficult for Iran's U23 team to get to the Olympics? And you, you pinpointed it. And, you know, to go on, to piggyback on that, my question would be then, so, you know, in a, in a perfect world, right? I mean, hypothetically speaking, if each qualification campaign for Team Omid, you know, if um, all the best players were available, I mean, you're pretty much saying that if all the best players were available and released by their clubs, then Iran probably would not have that much difficulty in getting uh, to the Olympics. Is, is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I think that there, you know, there's uh, the qualification phase for younger players, especially, is very difficult regardless of what players get called up because for a lot of them it's a new experience playing with the national team and there's a, a lot of added pressure. But yes, if the best players are able to get called up, and behind that, there's a you know clear plan 
for camps and uh, friendlies and proper preparation and um, a very invested coach, then yeah, there shouldn't really be a problem for uh, Team Aomid qualifying from uh, Asia for the Olympics because you know the talent pool that we have is superior to many of the uh, competitors. And especially at this age, uh, Iranian players are generally physically much more equipped than the Asian competitors as well. So, yeah, in a hypothetical situation, if all the best players are available and released by their clubs and they're supported with the proper f- preparation and friendlies, then, yeah, there shouldn't really be that much uh, problem qualifying for these sort of tournaments. Yeah, and another thing as well, you're right, it is very difficult I mean, when you compare qualifying to the World Cup for the top national team, Team Ali, I mean, there's a different rounds. You're playing home and away with the teams in your group. But to qualify for the Olympics, I mean, yeah, you have to place in the top three of the U23 Asian Championship. And I think we've seen at times in past tournaments, you know, Iran's U23 team, they could put in some good performances, but sometimes it seems like they, they sometimes it seems like they run out of gas. And it's just like, it's, it's really, you know, it's difficult. You know, even you get to the semifinals and, you know, of course, if you get to the final, you're guaranteed, but, you know, losing in the semifinals, then you got to get to that dreaded, you know, third place match. And it's just, so it, it is, it, it seems like trying to get it all done in one tournament in a few weeks sometimes is a lot to ask for, for our U23 team. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I think that, you know, it's difficult to expect a group of young players who, if they didn't have a lot of preparation together and a lot of friendlies together to then come together. And even if they are, you know, more talented than the other Asian opposition to come together and in a high pressure tournament with, as you said, a lot at stake, uh, you know, get the required results. So I think that the uh, key to their successes, uh, besides selecting the strongest players is having a proper preparation that, so that they're ready and they're performing as a team in those high-pressure situations. Of course, we have a good amount of time to go before the 2020 Asian U23 Championship in Thailand. And of course, we'll be keeping track on that draw when the groups are announced. And we're still focusing on the topic of Team Omid. But with that, though, we're going to be talking about some different players that I really have been wanting to talk to you about. And one of the first players for me is Reza Shekhari of Rubin Kazan. You know, we've seen him play well at the U-20 level for Iran, the last time Iran played in the U-20 World Cup. And he also scored a goal in this qualifying campaign as well. But when looking at what Reza Shekhari has done with Rubin Kazan, it seems like he has not been getting, I mean, not seems, but, you know, he has not been getting that many appearances with the top um, with the top squad. I mean, I'm sure he's made plenty of appearances for the reserve side, but what is your take on Reza Shekhari? I mean, is this something, or are you, are you ready to say that Rubin Kazan is just not working out for him? Or, I mean, and, and with that, do you even think maybe he should move on elsewhere, or, or are you saying he should stay where he is? Well, Reza Shekhari was, uh, you know, for a long time, through various age groups, one of Iran's top, top uh, prospects. And, uh, you know, he showed himself well at um, previous uh, youth tournaments, both the Asian youth tournaments and global uh, youth tournaments, especially the U-20 World Cup. I think he scored uh, four goals in the group stage. Like, uh, he scored against Portugal, he scored two against Zambia, and uh, overall he was a 
very uh, promising attacking midfielder. And yeah, he had a lot of interest from elsewhere. He had interest from uh, Basel in Switzerland. He had a trial with them. He had a trial with Leicester as well. And for various reasons, mainly uh, Zobohan president, who he played for Zobohan's youth teams, didn't release him to transfer to Europe. Uh, he couldn't make those moves, but eventually he went to uh, Ruben Kazan. And uh, yeah, I think, <coughs> I'm sorry, he's had some uh, difficulties there uh, in recent months with, uh, you know, game time. But I think that has uh, more to do with the situation of Ruben Kazan and less to do with uh, Shekhari. They're like a very uh, precarious situation financially and uh, uh, in a lot of other aspects right now, they're like not doing well as a club. And it's not really the ideal place for him to develop right now. But, you know, in the last, he's been there for about two years and he did improve a lot there initially, especially. And uh, he has had some uh, good performances in the Russian league. There was one game in particular where he played, uh, I think, about, uh, he played exactly 45 minutes the entirety of the second half against uh, Zenit St. Petersburg, uh, Sardar Osmund's new team. And uh, that was a few months ago, and he was uh, excellent. I watched the whole game, and his composure on the ball was great. He created multiple chances. He almost scored from long range. And he was very composed, uh, which is impressive for a player of his age in that sort of league. But, yeah, I think that uh, Ruben Kazan definitely improved him initially because, you know, working with a top coach in uh, Orban Berdiev, uh improved him a lot with his decision-making and his uh, physical attributes. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him this summer and uh, if he decides to move on. I know there's been interest from Turkey in his services, and I'm not sure uh, what other clubs, but he's definitely one of our best young players. And, uh, you know, we kind of lack... Uh, currently in our national team set up a proper number 10 or attacking midfielder and uh, I think Reza Shekhari could be that player in the future if he continues to progress like he is because uh, you know in all the age groups he's shown that he's one of the best players that we have and he's been incredibly consistent and a leader for those uh, lower age groups. You definitely said the things that I wanted to hear. You know, that was going to be one of my questions because based on how he's not been getting that many appearances of Ruben Kazan, you know, it was going to lead me to the question of, you know, do you still consider him to be one of the future stars for Iran? And based on your explanation, yes, I'm still feeling confident about Reza Shekhari as well. And you're right, we'll have to pay attention to see where he'll go. He definitely needs to play somewhere where he's going to get a lot of um, where he's going to get a lot of appearances. And just like you said, he's got to continue to progress. So glad we touched on that one. So yes, like Sahan said, Reza Shekhari is still definitely one of the main future stars for Team Ali, the national team of Iran. Now, a couple of players also we want to talk about, Sahan. Of course, you know, you're the expert on the future talent, you know, the future stars of Iranian football. And one of those players I want to mention is Alayar Sayad Manesh, you know, he's, a, he's about to be, I believe he's about to be 18 years old 
And I understand he's on his way to sign with Fenerbahce. So in your opinion, you know, is Alayar Sayad Manish the real deal? Yeah, well, thank you, Art. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, Alayar is going to be a really big player for Team Medley in the future and definitely for this uh, Omid team as well. You know, he kind of burst onto the scene at the U-17 World Cup where he scored against... Um, he scored in the group stage. Uh, he scored against Germany. He scored against Mexico with some really spectacular efforts. And uh, he had an assist in the se- uh, quarterfinal against Spain as well. And, um, yeah, he was pretty much took the tournament by storm. And, um, you know, he's a player who has uh, some incredible physical potential I mean, as you say, he hasn't even turned 18 yet, but he is physically more developed than pretty much anybody uh, in the under 23, you know, age group for Iran. And, you know, that has a lot to do with uh, his background. He comes from northern Iran in a wrestling family. His dad was a professional wrestler. And, you know, his physical potential is sort of unmatched and kind of unseen at this level. And coupled with his very aggressive style of play and instinctual forward uh, abilities, I think that he can be a major player for both Team Omid and for Team Medley uh, in the next few years. All right, and you know, from what we've understood is that it seems like he's going to sign with Fenerbahce. I mean, has the signing, has this been approved yet? Or I mean, is this, are we in that same kind of waiting game situation where we're hoping it happens, but we can't really uh, announce it just yet? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Alafjord had uh, interest from several teams. Uh, I've spoken to people who said that Benfica were keeping tabs on him. Uh, there was a lot of suggestions and that German, some German clubs were keeping tabs on him. Obviously, there was a connection there with uh, Estelle's former manager, Winfred Schaefer, who uh, you know was taking the development of Alohjör in the past year as a personal project. But I think the strongest interest has been from Turkey, uh, initially with Galatasaray, who tried to sign him right after the U-17 World Cup. Uh, you know, but it emerged at that time that he was actually just 16 years old. And so they couldn't uh, legally sign him until he turned 18. But in that time, I think Fenerbahce uh, really stepped up their pursuit of him. And Besiktas were also interested. But yeah, I think it's pretty official that he will go to Fenerbahce. Estelle's chairman has confirmed it. Uh, other uh, board members have confirmed it. And uh, all of the Turkish media has confirmed it, that uh, he will be a Fenerbahce player next season. I think the transfer fee was about $850,000 that went to Estevlal. The contract is a four- to five-year contract. And, um, yeah, it's not going to be officially announced for another month because he has to turn 18. Uh, He is still 17, and it's illegal for uh, European teams to transfer uh, non-European players before they turn 18 but yeah uh, he was recently posing with a Fenerbahce fan in Tehran and he's already given his farewell message on social media uh, to Estelhlal and it seems that he will be a Fenerbahce player next season. That is excellent news and of course just another reason for us Iranian football fans to keep paying more attention to the Turkish Super League, 
And I think this this is definitely exciting news. I mean, but then of course, you know, what would you say about your expectations? I mean, let's just say being realistic. I mean, that's a huge club to be, you know, for him to sign with. Would, would you pretty much expect that, you know, it would take some time to break into that first team and, you know, or even just, you know, break into that team that, you know, that dresses, for, you know, for for game day? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Fenerbahce had a very poor season this year and there was a lot of turmoil uh, associated with the club with a lot of managerial changes and a lot of personnel changes but you know they have a structure that they've made in terms of the transfer and scouting where they're trying to prioritize younger players with high sell-on value as opposed to the traditional super league model of kind of uh, older stars uh, you know in their 30s that are kind of uh, washed up so to speak spearheading teams but, you know, they're trying to adopt this model now. And Alohir fits into that category perfectly. Uh, he's a player that they've been looking at for a long time. Uh, by they, I mean uh, Damien Komoli and the uh, ex-Liverpool uh, director. And um, now he's uh, heading Fenerbahce. And, um, yeah, I think in terms of what are realistic expectations for Alohir, uh, I think he has one advantage over a lot of young talent, which, as I mentioned, is the physical aspect. He's extremely developed uh, physically, and I think in that respect, that's really important because the Super League is a very physically intense league, and I think that he could start contributing fairly quickly. Uh, in terms of how much, I think that... Um, at the start, maybe he might play a few uh, games with the youth team, but I think fairly quickly he will be in the first 18, and um, then it will just be a matter of uh, you know taking his opportunities when they come off the bench probably in the first year. And, um, yeah, obviously it's going to be a, a big transition from you know uh, this just being his first year in professional football to then coming into the high demand high expectations um, team like Fenerbahce with a lot of uh, supporters and a lot of pressure but I think that uh, yeah slowly but surely he's gonna contribute to the first team and definitely I would expect him to be um, making appearances off the bench for sure at a consistent base on a consistent basis by the end of the season once again more good news and the fact is there are the fact is, there is plenty of talent available for Team Elite, the national team of Iran. I mean, of course, when focusing on the offensive side of football and the skin and the skill as well. And of course, the players we talked about so far have been Reza Shekhari and also Alahyar Sayad Manish. The next player for us to talk about, Yunus Delphi, played with Esteghlal Khuzestan, and he's been playing with Charleroi in the top flight of Belgium since earlier in 2019. Now, Sahand, what excites you the most about Yunus Delphi? Yeah, well, Yunus Delphi also, similar to Alohiar, burst onto the scene at that U-17 World Cup that Iran uh, performed so well in, and he attracted interest from a lot of European clubs, including PSV Eindhoven, and he had a couple trials with them, and uh, he was actually scheduled to have another trial with them. Uh, in April of this year, which at that time, uh, I think he decided that he was just going to sign a contract outright with the team 
that team was, as you mentioned, uh, Charleroi, who have some Iranian connections with uh, Mehdi Bayat as their uh, uh, director and owner. And uh, yeah, so he signed there and, you know, he made his debut right away, uh, just a week after arriving, which was pretty incredible and played quite well. And since then, he's made like five appearances and just scored his first goal and gave his first assist last weekend. And, uh, you know, Charleroi now have the chance if they win another game to uh, enter the qualification phase for the Europa League, which would be pretty great achievement for a club of their size. And in terms of his qualities, I mean, Delphi is a winger or a second forward. And he has a lot of uh, skills, and he's quite fast and actually quite tall as well for a winger. I think he's like six feet tall. And uh, he has a very good eye for goal, and he can combine well with the forward. Uh, him and Alohiar in particular had a great connection at the U-17 World Cup. And, uh, yeah, I think he could also be a definite uh, important player for Team Medley in the future as he's already getting regular game time in Belgium and, you know, his qualities as a, a winger are something that's definitely uh, very in line with European football. He's a very effective player and he contributes a lot in terms of scoring goals and getting into the box uh, as from wide positions. And, you know, that's how I would describe his style of play. And with all the talent we could talk about for Timo Mead, you know, the young players, the players we expect to be stars and, a few, and hopefully, you know, maybe in a few years or, you know, maybe even sooner for the national team of Iran, like I said, for all the stars and potential stars we could talk about, we always know coaching is going to be a huge issue. Now, as we're getting closer to wrap up this edition of Team Meli Talk, the person I want to talk about now is Yahya Golmohamadi. And supposedly he was... Uh, there was reports where he was going to be hired as the next head coach of Iran's U23 team. But it sounds like that did not really go through, and this definitely cannot be a good thing. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, Sahand, do you think Yahya Golmohamadi is would be the right guy for the job, considering you know, considering his CV and what he's been you know what he's been doing, you know, coaching coaching in Iran. Yeah, well, I think uh, Yahya Gulmohamadi was um, pretty much tentatively had agreed to the U23 position, and now it seems that he's going to re-sign actually with Paddy De, who he led to fourth place in the league this year, which was a great achievement for them. And uh, it seems that he's actually going to stay with them, but theoretically, if he was able to be convinced back into the U23 uh, role as the head coach, I think it would be a very good appointment because uh, he has shown in his time earlier with Zobohan and now with uh, Paddy De that he can do a lot of good work with a unfancy team and use younger players and, um, you know, uh, get good results with those sort of setups. And um, he would definitely be a lot cheaper option than having somebody like Zlatko uh, Kranchar, who was the previous coach of uh, Omid. And I think he would have a good connection with the players. And overall, I think it would, would have been a good appointment, which now is, seems to be up in the air again. 
And unfortunately, it seems like these kinds of problems continue. I mean, yes, there is a good amount of time, though, until the 2020 Asian U23 Championship. So I don't think right now time is really the biggest issue. But, you know, kind of like what we mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, you mentioned how there's been times where there has been really the best coaching and also not the best preparation and sometimes even the best players not even being able to play for Team Omid in these, in you know, in such an important tournament. So, you know, with all the players we talked about today, Reza Shekhari, Yunus Delphi, and Alhayar Syed Manesh, I mean, from, you know, it's, it's tough to make a prediction from here on out, but I mean, are you ready to say that without these players, I mean, are you, are you pretty much ready just to cash in and say it'll be so difficult for Iran's U23 team to be successful in Thailand in January 2020? Yeah, well, uh, I don't really see any reason why these players wouldn't be available to play for the uh, Omid team. But I think that, yeah, definitely they're crucial players. And with a large degree of certainty, our success is going to be based uh, on their performances, especially in the offensive third. I mean, uh, Team Omid does have some other good uh, youngsters coming through. uh, Mehdi Khani of Gold Mohammadi's Padide, who's a, another physical winger forward uh, player who can be uh, very effective, especially in his defensive duties and also getting into the box and scoring goals, um, as well as, uh, you know, there's still talent like Toho Shariati uh, from that U17 team who's a center back and before his uh, bad injury layoff this year, he was, you know, very close to signing with PSV Eindhoven. And so I think that uh, the three players that we talked about definitely would need to be in the team, um, you know, for their success. But there's definitely other players as well, Mehdi Qaidi from Estegulal. But yeah, you would ideally like those players there to give us the best chance of qualification. Sahand, I would just like to thank you for taking the time to join me on Team Melly Talk. It was really great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Art. It was a pleasure to be on. And that is it, everybody, for this edition of Team Melly Talk. Once again, I really do appreciate the support. Make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know the handle, at Team Melly Talk. You could also check out our webpage, TeamMellyTalk.com. Look for us on YouTube. We got new videos coming up, and we're also available on Tumblr. That's TeamMellyTalk.tumblr.com. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of Team Melly Talk. We'll see you next time. Hey, this is Omid Nazari, and uh, you are listening to Timely Talk. <laughs>